Welcome to The Sweat Room, a podcast of Watermark Wesleyan Church. Get it, got it, give it. Here in The Sweat Room, we dive into today's questions about sports and faith. And now, here's your hosts, Noah and Bjorn. Hello, everyone. Bjorn Webb here, Sports and Fitness Ministry Director at Watermark Wesleyan Church. This is Noah Corson, Sports Ministry Resident. Awesome. We are so excited to get the sweat room going. We are going to be interviewing uh, tons of sports and faith personnel from all over the western New York area as well as the world. Today, Noah will be talking with Len Vandenboss, the chaplain of the Buffalo Bills. Well, welcome Len Vandenboss to the podcast today. Uh, he's the chaplain of the Buffalo Bills. Uh, He's originally from Michigan, was a college football coach at Wheaton, Western Michigan, and Western Kentucky. Uh, He was also the chapel of Chicago Bears. He's going on his fourth year with the Buffalo Bills, and he's married with three adult children. Len, welcome to the podcast. Uh Noah, thanks for having me. Great introduction, by the way. Very very (laughs) well done. Thank you. Uh, So going on your fourth year now, in Buffalo, what's what's been one of your favorite memories now being in Buffalo? Yeah, so many memories. Uh, we love being here. Um, I think uh, the first thing that comes to mind was the locker room in Miami in our first year when we made the playoffs and and uh, broke that long drought that I had nothing to do with the drought, but to be a part of the team that uh, that broke that drought and to celebrate uh, in that locker room was uh, was a memory I'll never forget for sure. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I tell you another, another memory, if I can add one more would be, um, uh, when we played the Colts in the snow, um, Oh, I remember that. I think that was first season. I think that was season one, uh, the 2017 season, but that was a nice, I mean, I grew up in Michigan. I know all about snow and cold weather, but to have that much snow in that short a time, uh, was a great, <laughs> was a great memory and a, uh, a definitely a Buffalo kind of, uh, kind of game oh for sure i remember people were digging just to get to their seats that was that was crazy i'll never forget that um so yeah i I guess a little transition just a little more about you uh you were just in israel so how was that what are what are some takeaways that a little tell us a little about your trip yeah yeah i could spend the whole uh the whole amount of time on the podcast on israel uh something my wife and I had wanted to do for a long, long time. And finally we found the right guide uh, and uh, he's become a good friend. Um, And he invited us to go with him on a trip. Uh, I could give you so many takeaways. I'll give you just a couple. Um, One was um, right by the Sea of Galilee. There's a a mountain called Mount Arbel. Um, Sea of Galilee is uh, surrounded by hills uh, but there's really one lone mountain that stands out a little higher and Mount Arbel is where most scholars believe that the great commission was given as well as, uh, where Jesus called his disciples and appointed them, uh, earlier in his ministry. So being on top of that mountain, uh, and looking down at the sea of Galilee, you could see, I mean, it's not that big of a lake, right? It's only about seven miles across. Yeah. So you can see right across it. And to stand in that, you know, in on top of that mountain and to um, see the sights of all the places that he did ministry around the Sea of Galilee was was one of my best memories for sure. Mm, that, that had been super powerful. Yeah. Mm. Wow. You know, so much of um, 
the ministry that Jesus did all took place about 80 or 90% is what we were told took place all around, you know, Capernaum, Bethsaida, just that Northern Northwestern part of the sea of Galilee. So we walked seven, eight miles a day, a lot of hikes in a lot of different sites each day, but to just walk those places, knowing that, you know, it wasn't a guess like somewhere within a hundred miles. No, it was all right in that area. Uh, mm. So to be there, which was we spent probably three or four of the 10 days right in and around the galley was very impactful. Wow. Yeah. That's, it's definitely a place I have to check off the bucket list for sure. Um, I, I guess I, I would love for, for everybody just to hear just a little of your testimony and how, how you've ended up where you're at today. Um, yeah, if, you, if you'd like to talk about that. Sure, absolutely. Uh, so I grew up in a Christian home in Michigan, the youngest of seven children. Um, mom and dad, believers, went to Christian schools and church twice on Sunday and catechism classes and, you know, the whole nine yards. Uh, so a lot of head knowledge, uh, but no relationship with Christ until um, my junior high years. So my oldest uh, brother, uh, my brother Tim, um, was part of a, the launch of a church called Willow Creek, uh, which is outside of Chicago, a big church. And my brother's been there for the whole 45-year run. Um, he started a, a church camp in northern Michigan as a part of Willow Creek in the early 70s. And for three or four years, three or four summers, my folks would send me up <clears throat> to that camp in the summer. And um, that's where I really uh, began my relationship with Christ. Even though I had been to church and had a lot of head knowledge, I really didn't know him. I didn't have a relationship with Christ until uh, spending those summers up there, being taught, uh, you know, and seeing Scripture in a different way. Uh, that's where I was baptized in 1978. Um, you know, the the sad part of my story is that uh, I came back from those experiences uh, as a young believer, but was never discipled and never introduced to discipleship. Uh, I kind of was on my own uh, as a young believer reading the Bible on my own. Um, uh, I was in a good church, but but uh, I really didn't have a, a youth leader, anybody who would came alongside me and kind of understood my story. So um, uh, ended up uh, getting married and um, my wife and I uh, started our coaching career uh, in Houston and um, had eight years into college coaching. Uh, and my brother had always continued to stay in touch with me. And uh, in the early 90s, uh, I started a conversation with him. And he was, uh, like I said, part of the church. And they had a position on the uh, staff for sports ministry. And he started talking about to me about joining the church staff. And Honestly, I had no desire to leave coaching. Uh, I put eight years in, like I said, when I was 28, 27, 28 years old. Yet I realized that my faith, um, which was real, was uh, far down on my priority list. And I hadn't really grown very much. And over the course of probably six months of conversations with my brother, uh, the Holy Spirit started to really move in me. And uh, we ended up talking about that position, interviewed for that position, and I couldn't believe it, but I accepted the position. Um, I felt like that was God was calling us to do. Uh, it was really the first step of faith I took that cost me something. And it cost me my coaching career. 
Uh, it uh, put us into a world of complete faith and trust in him. Um, and that really launched uh, the a first real phase of growth in my life was in the early 90s, being part of the church staff. I got into a small group for the first time. I began to be discipled by guys who were my age or a little bit older than me. Um, and we started to do ministry. Uh, I ended up, uh, fortunately, I, I miss coaching tremendously. And Wheaton College uh, had an opportunity for me to coach part-time. And I ended up doing that for 17 seasons. And wow. uh, that was really the beginning of sports and ministry together. Uh, so I was coaching football, doing sports ministry at the church, uh, growing with a group of, of uh, seven or eight guys. And, um, you know, that continued all the way up until, um, you know, 2015 when I, I left the staff of the church. Uh, felt like our run was done there. We had three kids there and had an amazing run of sports ministry and, and also working at the church's uh, camp with my brother. Uh, had done a couple of years with the Chicago Bears as a kind of a part-time chaplain for them. Uh, which many uh, chaplains in the league are, are part-time. And, uh, but in 20, 2015, I felt like our time was done at the church. Our kids were out of the house, and my wife and I really began to pray about what was next. And long story short, uh, Les Frazier, who is the defensive coordinator for the Buffalo Bills, had been a friend of mine for many years. He used to go to our church when he played for the Bears. Um, uh, we were re reunited in Baltimore for a season, and uh, he ended up coming to Buffalo. Sean McDermott hired him as one of his first hires. And Les called me up and said, Sean, we wanted a full-time chaplain for the team. And I couldn't believe it. Um, but that was um, a real answer to prayer. was not expecting that. And that began a couple-month process of interviewing and praying about it. And we landed here in April of uh, 2017. And uh. So it's been quite the journey, um, uh, but sports and ministry are really what I've done most of my adult life, and to uh, be able to combine those uh, in one job um, has been an incredible blessing. So for you, kind of transition, why do you love sports and why do you love ministry as well? Yeah, well, you know, I grew up playing sports, so I'm, I'm, uh, I was blessed to be short and slow, um, it's a deadly combination. So, <laughs> but didn't slow me down. I played sports throughout high school and growing up and just a competition of sports as well. Probably even more than the competition, the camaraderie of being around, uh, guys, whether it be golf, I still play golf today. It's kind of my recreational uh, passion. Um, mm -hmm. but playing a lot of pickup basketball and, you know, I played high school sports and, and things like that. So, but being able to, Combine those with ministry. So one of my early paradigm shifts when I first joined the church staff in 92 was I had kind of viewed, you know, sports and ministry as separate. Most of my, my coaching career and my playing career uh, was all about sports. I never really saw how to mesh those two together. And taking the job as the sports ministry director, I had to quickly figure out for myself as well as begin to cast vision and recruit or, uh, volunteers and and share my faith on how sports and ministry could work together. And, um, you know, there's um, uh, Jesus calls us into uh, things that we're passionate about and to be able to, you know, not just go, all right, I'm in ministry now. I, I'm leaving my sports 
uh, passion behind, but to be able to say, this is what I love to do. And yet it can be more than just, you know, keeping score, winning games and, and working out or whatever. It can point people to Christ was a huge kind of revelation for me early in my, in my ministry career. And it continues to this day. That's so good. Um, I know for you, there's been a lot of kind of, like you said a little bit in your testimony, just some cost of, of, of like just even going into ministry. Um, what if times of uncertainty of uncertainty taught you, especially with this whole coronavirus and just things in your life? What is, what are, what have times of uncertainty taught you? Yeah. So there has definitely been some moments of uncertainty. I think the moments of, you know, when I was at Western Kentucky and had eight years into coaching, um, yet feeling like God was calling me into ministry, uh, that was a huge step of uncertainty, um, uh, as well as when 2015 hit and I left the, the church staff and really didn't have a full-time job, mm. um, didn't know where we were going, but felt like God was leading us somewhere. Uh, so all those steps of uncertainty are how we grow. You know, one of the big lessons that I learned in Israel being in the country was, you know, it's about half desert. You know, the promised land is about half desert. Mm. And you would think, right, you read the Bible and, and you think, wow, the Israelites are being led into the land of milk and honey. And there's a whole different, you know, message behind what that really means. But that the land is half green and lush, and yet half of it is desert, is for a purpose. And uh, oftentimes when we're in times of uncertainty or scarcity, right, like you are in the desert, you it kind of strips away what you often rely on for your comfort, for your security. And that's exactly what's happening right now. People uh, were being stripped away from things that we're used to, things that bring us comfort or security, and it allows you then to go, what really matters? Mm. What am I really depending on? What, you know, if you strip away my job, my, my, um, my health, potentially, um, things that I do for comfort or convenience, you strip all these things away and it gets down to what's important. And so um, I believe those are the times when people grow the most is through trial and through testing. Uh, if they lean into it and are um, aware of what God's trying to do in their lives. Unfortunately, oftentimes during times of uncertainty, people then uh, can also go the other way and they can uh, run towards uh, uh, fear or anxiety and they can live in that and that'll take them down a whole nother road than what the road that uh, God wants to take them down. Mm -hmm. That's so good. Um, do you, this is um, definitely not in the notes, but definitely just a follow-up question with that. Off script. You're going off script. <laughs> I it, love it. I love it. I, I have a follow-up question. Yeah. Uh, let's go. I guess like during that time, what was like your go? Like where in the scripture would you really dive into during yeah. the times and? So, yeah, I've got several, you know, uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is a, is a landmark, um, you know, anchor verse for many of us, right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on, a, on your own understanding, right? And that picture of leaning, right, is where are you going to lean? 
And oftentimes we try to figure it out ourselves, right? We lean into our own understanding. Instead, going in all, all your ways, you know, acknowledge him and he'll make your path straight. He's got a plan. He doesn't often unveil it, right? He, uh, he wants us to grow. He wants to lead us. Uh, and that takes a lot of followership. It takes a lot of trust and obedience. So that's one of my go-to verses for sure. Mm, that's so good. Um, yeah, so I guess now that like little transition to something a little different, um, I know being the Buffalo Bills chaplain, like for those who don't know much about chaplains, how would you explain your job to someone who doesn't really know much of what that is? Or, or what yeah, it's a very unique job. It's a very unique job, but in many ways, for those that are in ministry, uh, you know, vocational ministry, it's it's very similar. It's just the, um, the people you work with and the um, how you do it is uh, tailored a little bit to your environment. But I would say a couple things, uh, you know, number one is building relationships, building trust. So, you know, the, the NFL player uh, comes and goes, you know, the average NFL career is about three and a half years. So oftentimes it's uh, players kind of come and go on the team. So every year you kind of look at the hand you've been dealt. Uh, if you're fortunate, you have, uh, players that last more than that and you get a chance to build relationships with them, but it's building trust. So for me, that involves, you know, uh, being there. Uh, I'm because I'm a coach, I'm involved with coaches meetings. I don't coach. I want to be clear about that. I stay in my lane, but, uh, I'm in a lot of coaches meetings. Uh, I'm there on the practice field. So I'm coach McDermott has allowed me to, you know, be full time and be fully, um, integrated into the program. And that is a huge advantage because it allows me just to build relationships instead of being the chaplain who comes in once a week and does a chapel or something. Uh, I'm around all the time. So I have an opportunity to build relationships with guys, you know, around more than, you know, just a chapel service. I'm building relationships with them around football and how I can serve them uh, other than just spiritual needs. So really building trust, authentic relationships, not that I'm trying to build uh, them as a target for ministry, but just to serve them. You know, uh, one of the things that I go by as a chaplain is to try to be the one guy in the building who uh, doesn't want anything from the players. Mm. And because of uh, their talent and what they've been through, oftentimes they have a fair amount of people in their life who want something from them, um, mm. whether it be family or friends or, or people that, that want to uh, get to know them. So to be a person who is just willing to serve them and whatever they need is a big part of, of what I do. Um, and what you're really doing is you're earning the right to have a conversation when that time is right. And when they're, when they're interested. So I would say one building relationship. Secondly, I try to provide opportunities for them, strategic, intentional opportunities for them to grow. So three big ways I do that is one through weekly chapel services during the season um, Saturday nights that, you know, all players and coaches can come to, um, it's our church service, if you will, about 30 minutes. Um, a second thing is weekly Bible studies. Um, and these go on throughout the off season, as well as during the season, uh, coaches, Bible studies, player Bible studies. My wife does a, a Bible study for the wives and girlfriends. Um, two of us do a couple's Bible study during the season. 
So again, big group is a chapel service, right? Uh, Bible study is a smaller group uh, that you're going through a specific book of the Bible or passages or, or topics that relate to where they are. Uh, and then thirdly, uh, you know, a smaller circle would be one-on-one. So developing one-on-one relationships with guys, discipleship relationships with guys where you can walk and talk together um, and get to know them on a, on a more intimate level. So providing opportunities for them to grow in a variety of settings um, uh, in all of it grounded in being in the word, trying to get them in the word. And this, um, you, know, you got to know your audience, right? So this group of men, you know, 20, early 20s to early 30s, oftentimes um, I found don't have a great handle on what God's word says. They may have been around it a little bit, maybe not at all, but the context of it. So getting them into the word uh, and helping them walk them through what, who, you know, what God says about who they are and who he is and how they can have a relationship. Fundamentally, that's what I'm trying to do is get them in the word because God does all the work and through his word and through this, the, a relationship with Christ. And if I want to be a conduit into that strategically, intentionally, um, as much as I can. Mm. Um, how have you seen Christ really move within the locker room there? Yeah. Um, it's amazing. Um, because once you get past all the, you know, the hype and the excitement of, you know, NFL player life and games and everything, Uh, These are just young men that are looking for answers. They're looking to grow. Um, They have a variety of situations. Some are married, some are not. Some are far from home. Uh, Some have grown up with a spiritual background. Many haven't. Um, Some have a good support system. Some do not. So trying to meet them where they are and then help them just take steps, whatever that step may be. And for some of them, uh, it's a really small step of conversations or being open to who God is. Others uh, know him, but have to take uh, serious steps of growth and discipleship uh, as they, you know, lead their family or, or contemplate getting married. Um, one of the things that has been most exciting is we've done the last couple of years, we've done baptisms at the end of each season. Um, and we've actually used Watermark has been very gracious to partner with us and let us use their uh, facilities. And we've been able to baptize several guys and some coaches and wives over the last couple of seasons. And that's always um, a huge um, uh, moments of gratitude and celebration as uh, we've been able to baptize those guys and have other players and coaches come to support them. Um, those have been some of the most special moments. Um, but I would also say, quick to say that it's that's not the end game, um, mm-hmm. is then helping those young men grow uh, in their walk with Christ um, in big and small ways have been really rewarding. Mm, that is so cool. Um, yeah. So how how are sports and probably specifically football really just continuing just to build your faith and and yeah, I guess just yeah. Yeah, so um, one of my favorite verses in um, in Galatians 5, uh, at the end of the chapter, in verse 25, I believe it is, it says, since we have the Spirit, 
we need to walk in step with the Spirit. Mm. And that's really what the, 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 the life of faith, right, the Christian life of faith is steps of faith-filled obedience. That's really what it means to be a Christian in many ways. It's mm. steps of faith-filled obedience. And so it doesn't matter where I'm the chaplain of the Buffalo Bills or I'm coaching small college football or figuring out how to do sports ministry at a church all throughout my life. Uh, you know, it's when I've taken, you know, a step of faith that I feel the Holy Spirit has led me to take, you know, that's when, you know, my faith grows. Um, you, you know, when you get out of the boat, right, when you get out of the boat, and you walk on that water and you go, okay, I, I believe God's called me to do this, whether it be having a conversation that's really hard to have or um, a conversation that is going to make uh, uh, somebody perhaps a little uncomfortable uh, or um, being generous with your time or your resources um, or saying what you feel like you need to say um, as a way of encouragement to somebody that really needs it. Uh, all these steps of faith that the Holy Spirit leads us to allow us to grow our faith because then we see how God shows up. He meets us where we, where we need it the most, and it gives us strength to go, okay, I continue to believe, I continue to trust, and he's going to be faithful. And that's what I've seen over what, regardless of how faithful I've been, God has been faithful throughout our story. Um, from I look back on just my upbringing, even though I didn't know get to know Christ in a personal way until I was in junior high, my parents were very faithful in opening God's word and bringing us to church and living it out in front of us. Um, and I could talk for a long time on all the different people throughout the way, uh, throughout my life who God has put strategically at the right time, at the right place, um, to help me grow. And it's all God's work and he gets all the credit and all the praise. That's so good. Um, so just to finish, what does your time with the Lord look like for you just on a daily basis? Yeah, uh, it's a good question because oftentimes, and I knew this growing up and even when I became a young Christian, um, one of the things that I fell into was a little bit of a trap. Like we all can fall into of going, okay, I have a little daily quiet time and which is a really good practice. And I try to do that um, every day as well, but also it can, you can fall into kind of a um, check in the boxes of here's my time with God. Right. So it's easy to categorize like this is time with God. This is time with God. And perhaps this is not so much time with God. And I think that's a trap that we all can fall into as believers, um, even though I would be quick to say there are practices, intentional practices that we do need to put into our daily, weekly, monthly, yearly life to connect with God in a more deeper, more intimate way. So for me, uh, I have a chair in the corner of our little townhouse here that I try to spend some time in every morning and it might be five minutes. It might be 25 minutes, but I try to just start my day in a consistently in the same place where I can just try to be quiet and hear God's voice. Um, the older I get, the more, um, 
time in prayer is in silence and less of me talking. So I try to start my day there. One of my practices that I do almost every day is walk. Uh, I used to run a lot and, 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 and uh, play a lot of pickup basketball. I don't do any of that anymore, but I consistently walk. And I do it for exercise, to be honest, but I also do it because it's a daily reminder of that verse in Galatians 5, where it says, if we, since we have the Spirit, let's walk in step with Him. And we're all busy. We all hit the, the ground running oftentimes and attack our to-do list. But that reminds me, that practice reminds me to be in step with the Spirit, meaning invite the Holy Spirit into my life every day and to follow His the pace that He is leading me at, which is always slower than the pace I want to go. And it's also being in tune to where, what he's saying to me, what the spirit is saying to me. Um, And that's a practice I do through walking. I I always have my worship music going on during that time. And that 30 minutes to an hour of walking uh, is one of the best practices to get my heart and my mind early in the day in tune for what God has for me and where he wants to lead me. Um, so those are a couple of things I, you know, I'm, I try to, I spend time in the word, you know, as I, uh, prepare for the next thing I'm leading, um, for sure. Um, but those are a couple of practices that I try to do, but again, trying not to fall into the trap of segmenting God into certain parts of my day, more seeing it as, um, uh, bringing, you know, a, inviting him into every part of my day. If that makes sense. Now, is it rain or shine that you're out there? Because Buffalo is cold in those winters. I'm aware. So uh, I walk, uh, we have an indoor facility. So I walk in the indoor facility. Oh, that's great. <laughs> during the, but as much as I can, it's outside. As much, whether it be, uh, we have a, our outside, our outdoor practice facility has a, track around it and that's a uh, i love walking there and i get into a very uh, uh intentional um routine when the players are here i'm on that track from seven to eight o'clock most mornings players know where i am coaches know where i am either in the <laughs> indoor facility or outside but that consistency and that you know i love music i love worship music and that is a, a must for me you know, most mornings to, you know, have that time where I can just walk, feel that rhythm and um, pray the prayer, come Holy Spirit. You know, if you read in the book of Acts in chapter one, right, Jesus is getting ready to, you know, he leaves and he tells his disciples one main command and it says, wait, wait for the Holy Spirit. And they're ready to go and, and to, to, you know, launch this revolution that he has trained them to lead. Um, and yet he says, the first thing you do is need to do is wait the Holy spirit. And when the Holy spirit comes now, there's the power and the church explodes and away we go. And that, that is the same model. We should be able to follow every day is pray that prayer every morning, come Holy spirit. Um, and then intentionally try to walk at a pace with him and be attuned, you know, to what he, where he's trying to lead you. So I, 
I have a follow-up question, especially in in regards of of silence. I know our society it's it's a very fast-paced. I'd say definitely in the Western culture, silence is not easy. I know for me, I I don't love silence, so it's real. I have to really hone down. So how did you? How did silence for you? Did that come naturally, or is that something you just practice no, again and again? No, no, that's a that's a. That's a uh, spiritual discipline as well. Silence and solitude, right? Modeled by the life of Christ, right? Read the Gospels, right? Where he goes away to a quiet place to pray and mm. be alone. Um, oftentimes, as I'm, I love my music, but there's at least once, most days when I'm walking, whether it be the last 20 minutes, the first 10 minutes, where I, I don't let the music play at all. And I just try to hear myself breathe and, and, uh, incorporate just being quiet. Um, same with it, trying to sit in my chair in the morning, getting up before my wife does. Uh, I found that for me to be quiet in silence, I need to do that before I leave the house. Uh, I've never been able to incorporate getting to my workplace and doing some form of quiet time in my workplace, uh, whether it be where I was working at a church, working at a, you know, coaching, uh, here, um, when you hit, you know, the door of your workplace, oftentimes something is urgent. <laughs> you right. gotta go for it. So I've tried to put on that, put on that armor, um, if you will, before I leave the house and, uh, silence is, um, definitely part of it. Mm, that's so good. Um, well, as we wrap up, is there any closing remarks that you have just for, for everybody listening today? Wow. Um, well, I appreciate you having me. Um, you know, we really love Buffalo. We really love, uh, you know, these people that we've become family with here. Um, organization has been so, it's been such a blessing to be a part of it. We have so many coaches and players and people in the building who love the Lord, who want to do this the right way, uh, who want to win, you know, and, and build a championship program, but want to do it the right way. Um, and that's been, that's, that's rare, you know, it's rare. And so I, I hope the people in Buffalo uh, can feel that while I believe we're building something on the field that's going to last and going to have sustained success, that there's more to it than that. Mm-hmm. And the people that are uh, part of the organization are, um, are tremendously uh, have welcomed us and incorporated ministry into the organization and we're just so grateful um you know to those that are um you know where we are in your faith um i would encourage you uh, you know to taste and see you know it says in scripture taste and see that the lord is good mm. and um especially in these times where sometimes you're like what is going on and is god in control or is he not in control um, one of the passages, Noah, that I've been in the last month or so is in um, Mark chapter 4, at the end of Mark chapter 4, where Jesus calms the sea, mm. and, right? He's in the boat, and uh, I would encourage you, if you're looking for a little devotional, is to go to the end of Mark chapter 4, and that there's only a few verses there, but there's four questions. There's four questions that happen. Uh, a couple Jesus asked and a couple of the disciples asked. 
And I think that'd be a great little study for your listeners. Mm -hmm. uh, but one of the questions, the first question of the four is the disciples say, um, hey, Jesus, don't you care <laughs> that we're in this storm? Yeah. And, uh, you know, knowing what we do now, you know, what a silly question. <laughs> right? Of course he cares. Right. Of course he cares. But in the middle of that storm, that was a legitimate question. You know, mm -hmm. do you care? And uh, I want to assure all of our listeners that he cares. And he knows. And he is um, fully in control of what's going on in our world today. Um, we don't always understand why he allows things to happen. But we, we trust that he um, has a purpose. And this is a great opportunity, you know, instead of holding our breath going, we just got to get through this. I believe we'll get through it in some way, shape or form, but this is an opportunity. We do not want to miss on what God is trying to teach you through the scarcity of, um, you know, this pandemic and what we're going through. So I just encourage and challenge our listeners to uh, lean in to where he's leading you uh, during this time. Mm, that's so good. And I know being in Buffalo, I know a lot of Bills fans are listening. They're probably just itching. Do you think, do you see a Super Bowl title in the next few years? I see us having a great off season and uh, continuing to work hard. We have so much work to do. Um, all of that takes care of itself. You know, I, <laughs> I believe in the process, trust me. And, uh, uh, that trust the process, respect the process mantra that you hear coming out of the bills is uh, some may go, okay, we get it when you roll your eyes, but it's really true. And it, it has a lot of um, um, connotation to spiritual life, right? Yeah. Next step. What do you, you know, what's your next step? And you trust where God's leading you and, you know, he has the results uh, in his hand. So uh, I don't worry about that one bit. Oh, that's awesome. That's a great answer. Well, thank you, Len, for just, I, I really appreciate your heart and just a rich filled conversation and you just, you have so much wisdom. So it's always great just to sit down with you. And I'm just glad a, a lot of our listeners could hear your heart and, and just your heart for ministry and for people. So I just really appreciate you. Thank you. Uh, thanks for, thanks for having me. Noah. I've enjoyed getting to know you look forward to uh, continuing to grow in our relationship and, um, Appreciate what you guys are doing at Watermark um, and go Bills. Well, thank you, Len, for a great interview. Uh, Bjorn, what were your thoughts during that interview? Yeah, that was so good. Such a rich conversation. I loved hearing his heart, and I definitely took a whole lot out of that conversation uh, in my life personally. Um, just to bring it back around to um, our, our motto of get it, got it, give it. Len had so many great examples um, during that conversation just about, you know, get it. When he was training and learning uh, back, I, I remember, you know, we talking about his early years, summer camps at Willow Creek when he, you know, first began that relationship with Christ and his baptism in 78, um, you know, and then him talking about maybe when he got it, uh, one of these times where he had uh, his first big step of faith in his adult years, uh, faith maybe it was low on his priority list, and um, he took that step into sports ministry at, at Willow Creek. Uh, and then I loved hearing one example of one of the ways he's now um, given it. 
that he's uh, helping others. He's discipling them just in his chaplain job with the Bills. He has so many opportunities to to give back, to train and disciple others. Uh, and then I, I loved, you know, at the end, you had a great question, Noah, um, just talking about some of the things he's learning now uh, and just that, that gave, you know, just me the perspective that, yeah, Len gets it, that he's not He's never graduated from that get it phase. He's still learning. He's still training. And I, I loved him talking about Galatians 5.25 um, and, and just talking about faith-filled obedience and his daily quiet time and prayer time and just how he, that is so important for him today to continue to learn and grow. Uh, and that's just such a great example. And that's why I loved having, having Len on the, on the, on the sweat, in the sweat room today um, just as a great example of get it, got to give it and what that, what that looks like. Um, you know, lived out. Uh, so we're going to play for you just a snippet of um, my conversation uh, with my dad, Matthew Webb, the athletic director at Houghton College. Um, he's who we're going to be interviewing next week on the podcast. So here is a little of my conversation with my dad, Matthew Webb. Um, I think that I, that whole concept of, you know, do you feel God's pleasure when you compete hmm. is, is a question that we as Christians uh, need to ask ourselves. Um, because if we're not, are we doing it for the right reasons? We'll see you next week, everybody. And remember, get it, got it, give it. Thanks for listening to The Sweat Room, a podcast of Watermark Wesley and Church. 